Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Paul Moore. He is the president of Wellings Capital, which is a firm that helps people invest in real estate. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Paul. Great to be here, Jordan. Thanks for having me on again. So give us a little bit of your history. Uh, you've been in the real estate business for a long time, but just kind of give us uh, how you've gotten to where you are today. Yeah, so I uh, had an engineering degree, an MBA. Had my, I had a company in Michigan. We had an HR staffing firm, and we uh, sold that to a publicly traded firm about 20 years ago. And I started flipping houses before flipping was a thing. And we flipped dozens of houses, had a lot of fun, and I decided, well, I should go up from there. I can make more money being a builder. And I uh, tried to start building some homes. And you know, Jordan, it's not a good idea to build a home if you don't know how to tighten your own doorknob. So I uh, got taken advantage of by builders and uh, got back into, uh, I went back to where I should have been as a developer. I started developing. I did a few subdivisions, did a a multifamily um, operation up in North Dakota that was a lot of fun, very profitable. Got into Class B multifamily a little over five years ago, and we found over the last five years it has become uh, apartment investing has been so overheated that we have not been able to find deals that made sense. So that's what got us to where we are today. Okay. Before we get to the, I know the two things you're most interested in today are self-storage, we're going to get into in more detail, and also mobile home parks. But just talk for a moment about the multifamily rental apartment. Uh, give us some evidence that it's overheated, and how can you measure if it's overheated and therefore not uh, a good idea to do that? Well, I mean, I wrote a book on multifamily, and I still believe in it as an asset class, Um you know, basically it has the, one of the lowest default rates of any real estate. It's got great demographics looking out decades ahead with millennials, Gen Z, et cetera, population booms that we've seen. But the problem is the cap rates, uh, the, the prices are just so high right now. The cap rates are so compressed. In other words, it's an inverse relationship. And uh, they're at a record level, and so the numbers just in general don't make sense. We've identified about seven reasons for that without spending a long time on it. I'll tell you that there is international money, IRA money, 1031 exchange money. Uh, there is uh, institutional money running at this space at record pace, and there are a lot of new routes, which is basically new gurus, people who weren't even in the business in the last, uh, you know, a decade ago during the recession who are telling people it's okay to overpay, it's different this time. Jordan, haven't we heard it's different this time before? Yes. Yes, we have. (laughs) So what's going to happen to the people who are overpaying now for apartment buildings and other multifamily structures? Well, it seems like there's two options. Number one, they're either getting a steep enough value add that they're able to overcome it through increased rents, and when there's a downturn, they'll be okay, um, and or they will be burned. And, you know, multifamily, like a lot of real estate asset classes, is such a stable asset that even if they do get burned, chances are most of them will get out. They might not have their... 
uh, capital. They might not have their equity when they get out, but they probably won't go into default for the most part, though a few will. Yeah. Uh, how about instead of buying them directly through real estate investment trusts or publicly traded vehicles? Is that still something you'd recommend against? You know, um, a lot of real estate investment trusts and publicly traded vehicles, you get a 1099 from That's a simple way of of talking about it, which means that you are a direct, an investor in a company that buys real estate, Jordan. And we're looking for opportunities to buy real estate directly, which, you know, investors that buy real estate directly get a K-1. And that's what our investors do. That's what a lot of syndicators, that's what all syndicators investors do, which means we get the significant benefit of depreciation, tax write-offs, which means often we're making money, making a lot of money, but we're getting a negative or almost zero number on our K-1, which means there are great tax benefits to buying it that way. So, honestly, if you're interested in tax savings, I wouldn't, in general, go to a REIT. So, explain how that works. So, say you invest in one of your properties, uh, say a self-storage facility we're going to talk about. Um, what are some of the tax benefits that you get, and does that offset your regular salary income? Or what is the tax benefit that you get from that? Well, so it, it will not offset your regular salary income unless you're a qualified real estate professional, which that's a little technical for the time we have, but basically if you're doing real estate at least half time uh, or at least 750 hours a year, actually both of those, you can possibly offset much more of your salary, but in general, there are limits to what you can offset. I'm going to use another example, if you don't mind. I'm going to use a mobile home park, and since this is a money show, can I dive into the numbers a little bit on this? Sure. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Okay. So, residential real estate is written off, uh, depreciated over 27 and a half years, typically. Commercial real estate over 39 years, typically. Now, if you buy a mobile home park, you would think, well, that's probably mostly land and therefore not depreciable. Well, it's not exactly true. Often, mobile home parks are only 30% based in land. In other words, their basis is about 30% the land, which is not depreciable. It's 35% typically for uh, land improvements, and that would be like lighting, pavement, shrubbery, etc. And 35%, now get this, Jordan, goodwill. So 35 plus 35, 70% is depreciable as land improvements and goodwill, which is 15-year straight line. So if you took the price of the mobile home park and you took 70% of that, divided it by 15, that depreciation would be 4.66% annually. And that's if you don't do a cost segregation study, which we can circle back to if you want to. But 4.66% of your straight line, that means it's that much income is uh, written off, if you will, every year if you paid cash. But most people don't pay cash. They usually leverage it. And if they do a safe, fairly safe leverage of, say, 60% loan-to-value ratio, that means you would divide the 4.66% by 1 minus 0.6 or 0.4. And that means it would be not 4.66, but 11.66% of your annual income would be covered with depreciation, meaning if your return every year was 10%, 
you'd still have a 1.66% loss, if my example was correct. And so that's the kind of uh, beauty of uh, commercial real estate. And that's, you know, you're going to get that loss in a straight line basis for 15 years, if, uh, if this, you know, if this example is correct. Did the new tax law passed at the end of 2017 uh, change tax laws that affect uh, real estate investing in any way, positively or negatively? Yeah, I really did. It's um, number one. It gave a 20% bonus uh, bonus write-off for any money that's through a pass-through entity, like an LLC. That could be an LLC. People think it's only LLCs, but it's through any kind of pass-through. Uh, entity, and that can even include uh, regular sole proprietorships, from what I understand. But another benefit is Section 179. Section 179 of the IRS Code, when I started in business uh, almost 30 years ago, said, hey, we if you have printers and computers and all these things, you can write off to, up to like $15,000 in one year of these, rather than depreciating them over three, five, seven, or 15 years. Well, not anymore. Anything with a 15-year life right now, and that's personal property, that would be like a roof. Uh, it, could be, um, it could be heating and air. It could be anything that's considered personal property, like a stove, refrigerator, appliances. They can be written off under Section 179 almost always in one year, Jordan. And that means if you had a million dollars in roofs on your apartment complex, that might be able to be written off all that year, and that loss carry forward for many years in the future. It's a huge, huge benefit to commercial and other real estate investors. Is that one of the reasons why multifamily is overheated, because it made it that much more attractive to invest in them? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's one of the reasons that it is more attractive to all these other groups, and I completely agree. You know, there was a survey done in November 2017, and I think only 28% of the people surveyed, these are real estate investors, thought that multifamily was going to go up any further. They, you know, I mean, 72%, if I'm not mistaken, thought it had reached its peak. I believe this was in the NREI, National Real Estate Investor. Um, but two months later, in January of 2018, a month after the tax law changed, not 70, 72% of people in number thought it had peaked or was actually past its peak. Now only 50% of people thought it was at peak. So a huge shift. And that shift showed up in prices because they were starting to wane a little bit at the end of 2017, but they just took off again as soon as the tax law passed. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, my guest this hour is Paul Moore. He is the president of Wellings Capital, a real estate investment firm. You can find out more at his website, wellingscapital.com. I'd like to tell you about a very enjoyable experience I just had cooking an every plate meal at home with my girlfriend, Mary. Every plate delivered all the ingredients we needed, and we made a skillet with pork chops topped with apple and green beans and sweet potatoes. It took about 30 minutes from start to finish. We also made a beef bun my bowl which came with rice, carrots, and cucumber. Both these dishes were delicious. While other at-home dinner options cost about $10 a serving, Every Plate offers five chef-designated healthy recipes every week for just $4.99 a serving. 
Every plate does the meal planning, shopping, and prepping for you, taking the time-consuming guesswork out of cooking. I found each recipe very easy to follow, which took the stress out of cooking dinner. I encourage you to give you every plate a try for six free meals across your first three weeks and free shipping on your first delivery. Go to everyplate.com and enter the code MONEYANSWERS6. That's the number six. This offer equals one-third off each of your first three boxes. That means you'll get 18 full meals for just $3.33 a piece for a two-person plan and 36 full meals for $4.16 for the four-person plan. As a listener to the Money Answer Show, you also get free shipping on your first delivery, bringing the cost of your first box down to just $20. To try out this offer, go to everyplate.com and enter Money Answers 6. That's Money Answers the number 6. And enjoy a delicious, low-priced dinner in your home. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Attention heroes, current and former firefighters, law enforcement, military, medical, or educational professionals. Heroes can receive rewards averaging over $2,500 when they buy, sell, or refinance a home. Heroes come first. Along with the Homes for Heroes is the nation's largest hero reward program. Their mission is to provide extraordinary savings to heroes who provide extraordinary services to our nation and its communities every day. Learn how you can purchase a home for no down payment, no closing costs, and get money back at closing. Find out how you can own for less than you may pay for rent. Get your hero rewards at heroescomefirst.com. That's heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S, comefirst.com, 888-437-6114. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Paul Moore. He's the president of Wellings Capital, which is a real estate investment firm. You can find out more at his website, wellingscapital.com. Welcome back to the show, Paul. Hey, great to be here. So we talked about uh, multifamily, but let's get into self-storage, which is what you're excited about these days. This is where people put their stuff in a storage bin and so on. It seems like there's an awful lot of these things around. 
public storage and various other companies. Uh, why is there a need for more self-storage and what is the investment opportunity there? Well, I really don't know that there is a need for more in most markets right now. Actually, there's been a huge uh, surge, uh, I, I would say upsurge in, in building these. The, the situation is there are 53,000 or so self-storage facilities in the U.S., Jordan, and that's about the same as McDonald's, Subway, and Starbucks combined. Yet about 40,000 of them, more or less, are run by independent operators, small mom and pops, etc., and they don't care to or they don't know how to maximize income. And some of them are on the path of growth. Take one I, we just invested in in Pauley's Island, South Carolina, which is on a major, it's, it's right along a major highway, yet it was tucked back way on kind of a back road about a block away, even though it had land available along the highway. And so by purchasing this facility, our operator we were partnering with was able to add a beautiful showroom, an office, signage out front along this highway that has 33,000 cars a day uh, right along there. And they were able to add a lot of uh, climate-controlled self-storage, some more uh, paid parking, and improve the facility was there. Now, by doing that, there's a value formula, which we can, if you want to, go into in commercial yes, real estate. Yes, let's do that. Yes. And mm-hmm. Yeah, so this value formula allows a significant increase in appreciation and potentially in income for investors. Now, here's the formula. You know, Jordan and I know, that if we invest in a single-family home in a neighborhood, and let's say it's a $300,000 neighborhood, and we pump an extra two or 300000 into the home, you put additions on, you finish the basement, do all these beautiful things, you're probably going to be limited by the prices of the home in the neighborhood. They're, they're called comps, and, and anybody knows that. And uh, so the comps limit the value of the property. But that's not true in commercial real estate. In commercial real estate, and the reason I think that the Forbes, most of the Forbes 400 invests in commercial real estate, is that the value equals the net operating income divided by the cap rate or the capitalization rate. So the net operating income is just the income, not including debt service, of the property. And then the denominator, the cap rate, is the expected rate of return of what most investors would expect to get on this type of asset, in this type of market, at this time. And so cap rates, Jordan used to run 8 to 10%. Now they run about 4, 5, 6, even 7% now. So um, the cap rate, the lower it goes, the higher the price, because as the denominator shrinks, of course, the answer comes out higher. And so... Um, by increasing the numerator, and I just told you how in this case we're able to increase the numerator on this property. There's about 20 or 30 ways to increase income. I just gave you a few. And then by shrinking the denominator, which would be like selling to a REIT, you mentioned REITs earlier, REITs are willing to pay a higher price on average for properties that are upgraded and running like a franchise-type model. By doing those two things, you can dramatically increase the value of a property, um, but it's even better than that because with leverage, if you increase the asset value by, say, 50%, which is very doable, by the way, with a lot of these mom-and-pops that you upgrade, 
you can increase the value of the equity by well over 100%. 100%. Because, again, if you're, you're dividing by 0.4, which means you're effectively multiplying the asset appreciation by 2.5x in this case. So you're not buying new self-storage. You're taking existing ones and upgrading them and marketing them and increasing the net operating income on existing self-storage is what you're saying. That's what I've been talking about for the last few minutes. It's also possible to find, you could say, holes in the demographics. So basically spots on a map where there's just no self-storage. And if you can find a way to get self-storage into that location, let's say you can fight for the zoning and the approval of the county or city, and you can get a self-storage there and build it ground up, you can have even more profit than I mentioned from upgrading from a mom and pop. And there's all kinds of examples of this. We're investing in one just like that right now near Minneapolis. Now, you have a fund called the Wellings Income Fund One, which is uh, going to be doing these things. Tell us a little bit about the fund. What is the minimum investment? What kind of uh, yield should people expect? Uh, Tell us a little bit more about that fund. So the Wellings Income Fund One is focused on income, and we have appreciation as our secondary goal. So we're expecting, uh, this is for uh, accredited investors, there's a minimum of $50,000 investment, and we expect a return of between 5 and 9% year over year from income. We're expecting that to average about 8%. And then uh, appreciation, we expect about that much again, 7 or 8% on top of that. So we're targeting a 15% or more total annual return. We expect there to be very tax efficient. This fund is investing, first of all, in self-storage. Uh, that's existing self-storage that produces income from day one. And then also in um, multifamily when we can find it, if it makes sense, and then mobile home parks as well. What is the holding period for it? It's a 10-year holding period, but Jordan, one thing I'm really excited about is that we we are targeting returning the investor's principal in about five years. And so by returning the investor's principal in about five years, that allows the investor to go out and place that money somewhere else, start a new income stream, while this income stream continues to produce income and appreciation for an additional five years. And you would return the capital by selling some of the self-storage units within five years? Is that the idea? Actually, it would be by refinancing the mobile home parks and self-storage. Mobile homes, uh, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae love mobile home parks, and there's a a preferred interest rate, like under 4% now in some cases, and they allow us to refinance the mobile home parks uh, up to twice in the first five years. And when we refinance, we're able to uh, keep the same interest rate, pay no penalty, and uh, use that, those funds to reimburse investors and allow them to go invest somewhere else. Now, you have a book uh, coming out called Financial Independence Through Self-Storage Investing. Is this something that people can do themselves, or is it better to do it through the fund that you're offering? Hmm, that's a great question. Now, there are some hands-on folks out there that if you found the right mentor, got the right training, uh, were able to get 
you know, my book that's, you know, coming out and other books and really understand where and how to locate these self-storage properties, yeah, you, you could do it yourself. Um, there are situations where people have done that and become millionaires in a few years. Uh, there's a, a training uh, company out there that I'd be willing to share, but uh, I'm friends with the, uh, the trainer. He's trained a whole lot of people who've gone out and made a fortune doing it on their own. I usually find, however, that people are happier over the long run passively investing. They realize, you know, I say to people all the time, why work harder than you need to to make less than you could? A lot of people are happier and better off just investing passively and not quitting their day job. Yeah. So what is the reason why self-storage is, is going to do well? I mean, people are downsizing. They've got stuff they don't want to throw away. I mean, at a certain point, does it make sense for people to keep paying to keep stuff in storage that they're not really going to be using? No, it doesn't always make sense. I agree. In fact, there's, uh, I think that that's one of the long-term risks of self-storage, that people, you know, maybe there'll be a massive movement to declutter and to downsize and, and not uh, keep all their, you know, sometimes, honestly, it's, it's, it can be junk in some cases. The situation is, and one of the reasons it's gone so well is during the downturn, people were downsizing from, let's say, a 4,000-square-foot home to a 2,000 or a 2,000 to an apartment, and they needed a place to store their stuff, and for a relatively small amount of money, they could store it. Now, in great times, like we're experiencing now, people are filling up their Amazon cards and their Walmart cards, and they need a place to store their stuff, and so... In great times like this, people are using self-storage as well. One of the cool things about it is, you know, if I was leasing you an apartment, Jordan, for 1000 a month and raised your rent by 6%, you may leave rather than spend an extra 60 bucks a month, 720 a year, more next year, especially when you consider the fact that you, in your mind, you'll be leaving in a few, uh, you will probably be leaving, uh, you'll probably be staying, I should say, in the apartment long, long term. However, with self-storage, it's very different. If, you, if I was leasing you an apart, a self-storage unit for $100 a month and raise your rent by 6%, you probably wouldn't leave for the extra $6 a month. You probably wouldn't take a Saturday or a vacation day, pack up a U-Haul to move all your junk, excuse me, treasures down the street just to save 6% or $6 a month. And that's why... People stay in self-storage. It's very sticky. And mobile home parks are even more so. Okay, very good. We're going to take a break, and uh, we'll be right back after this. I'd like to tell you about a very enjoyable experience I recently had cooking an every plate meal at home with my girlfriend, Mary. Every plate delivered all the ingredients we needed, and we made a skillet with pork chops topped with apple and green beans and sweet potatoes. It took about 30 minutes from the start to when we served it. We also made a beef banh mai bowl, which came with rice, carrots, and cucumber. Both these dishes were delicious. While other at-home dinner options cost about $10 a serving, every plate offers five chef-designed healthy recipes every week for just $4.99 a serving. Every plate does the meal planning, shopping, and prepping for you, taking the time-consuming guesswork out of cooking. I found each recipe very easy to follow, which took the stress out of cooking dinner. I encourage you to give every plate a try too. 
For six free meals across your first three weeks and free shipping on your first delivery, go to everyplate.com and enter Money Answers 6. That's the number 6. This offer equals one-third off each of your first three boxes. That means you'll get 18 full meals for just $3.33 a piece for a two-person plan and 36 full meals for $4.16 a piece on the four-person plan. As a listener to the Money Answer Show, you also get free shipping on your first delivery. Bring the cost of your first box down to just $20. To try out this offer, go to everyplate.com and enter Money Answers 6. That's Money Answers, the number 6. And enjoy a delicious, low-priced dinner in your home. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Paul Moore. He's the president of Wellings Capital, which is a real estate investment firm. Uh, they offer a, a new fund called the Wellings Income Fund One. You can find out more at his website, wellingscapital.com. Welcome back to the show, Paul. Hey, thanks, Jordan. So we talked about self-storage, but the other thing you're interested in is mobile home or what's called manufactured housing. Uh, What is the investment rationale behind uh, doing mobile home parks? Uh, And I assume that will be part of the fund as well. Yeah, so our Wellings Income Fund, we also have a Wellings Growth Fund one. But uh, Wellings Income Fund is also investing in mobile home parks. We're really excited about this because, you know, it's not a place I was really excited about investing. It's not a place that most people would think of. There's kind of a stigma with mobile homes. But, you know, you got to wonder why people like Sam Zell and Warren Buffett are investing in mobile home parks and other manufactured housing. And I think the reason in part is it's the only asset class I'm aware of that has a shrinking supply, but an increasing demand. You know, we all know that there's an affordable housing crisis. And uh, a lot of people, you know, there's there's 10,000 people reportedly turning 65 every day. And about half of them have less than 10,000 cash, say, for retirement. A lot of them have, a, have home equity, and they might be willing to trade that 
to live in a mobile home park and have the freedom uh, at, of living, you know, for, let's say, two, three, four hundred dollars a month rather than the mortgage they had before. And like self-storage, but even more so, like I said, Jordan, it's, the tenants are very sticky. Now, it doesn't mean they wear Velcro suits. That means they actually don't want to leave, and they don't often have the option of leaving. Let's say I was taking over a mobile home park, and I raised the rent from $300 a month to 330 to get it up to the market. And, you know, honestly, how many of those tenants who have their own mobile homes there are going to spend roughly $5,000 to move their mobile home down the street, risk damage, all to save you know, $30 a month. And if it's a double Y, it would often be more like, you know, 10000 even more, to move it down the street. And so tenants are very, very sticky. And I really didn't think there would be very many value adds, very, way, very many ways to increase the appreciation and income at mobile home parks, but that's not really true. Recently we invested in a park, and I'm going to – change it to make it simpler with round numbers. But let's say the mobile home park cost $5 million. And let's say it was a straight 60% loan on it. So there was $3 million in debt, $2 million in equity. Now, the first thing this operator did is he went in and he told the tenants, hey, if you've got a third or fourth or fifth car, you can't keep it in front of your mobile home." If you've got a work trailer or a boat or an RV, you need to move it. And so what they did is they paved an acre of weeds. They put a real nice fence and a gate in, and they said, you've got to move it in here, and we're going to charge you for that. And so they're charging for that. Now they're opening it up to the community and saying, hey, we've got boat and RV storage. Now, Jordan, this costs $100,000 to do, and they're going to be able to make a revenue stream of about $10,000 a month once this is full. Well, 10000 a month, 120000 a year, first of all, it's 120% annual ROI on that 100000 they spent. That's a good deal. But listen to what it did to the value. 120000 a year. Remember our value formula, Jordan. It was value equals net operating income divided by the cap rate. Now, if the value went up, if the income went up by 120000 a year, divide that by, let's say, a 6% cap rate, 0.06. 120000 by 0.06 is $2 million. Wow. So now the $5 million mobile home park just went up to a value of $7 million. We forced that appreciation. But, Jordan, think about what happened to the equity investor situation. They had $2 million in. Their value of their equity just went up from $2 million to $4 million. It doubled from one simple change. That's not including all the other things that can be done to improve the value of this part. Now, when they go to refinance and give back the equity to the investors, they're going to be able to do that now because they've raised it so easily and so quickly with this one fairly straightforward change. And there's all kinds of other things that can be done like that. This is why we love commercial real estate investing. So you said there's a reduced supply of mobile home parks. If they're that popular, why aren't people creating more mobile home parks? You know, there are few things around the country here, but they're usually in rural locations that don't fight against them. Uh, the, typically right now, what happens is 
that uh, neighborhoods and communities, urban areas, they fight the mobile home parks. They don't want them. Uh, not only do the individuals not want these, uh, but don't want them in their neighborhood, but the cities really feel they don't add enough to their tax base to be worth approving them. So often they're not willing to approve a new mobile home park. And then secondly, uh, they're cutting deals with developers fairly regularly to get rid of these. So a developer in a certain city might say, hey, I want to put in this new hotel or apartment complex. And the city council will say, well, go ahead and get rid of that mobile home park on the side of the edge of town, and we'll approve this apartment complex. And that really does happen. So there's over 100 mobile home parks per year, they believe, nationally that are going away, and very, very few being built every year. So you're going to be buying, it for the fund, existing mobile home parks and then doing various things to improve the cash flow. Is that the strategy? That's correct. Okay, so within the fund, within the Wellings Income Fund 1, roughly how much of it is going to be manufactured homes, mobile homes, and how much is going to be self-storage? We expect something like 45% of the equity to be dedicated to self-storage, 45% to mobile home parks, and perhaps maybe 10% to multifamily. In this current environment, like I said earlier, it's pretty tough to get multifamily that makes sense. And are there special tax advantages to doing mobile home parks? Yeah, so, for example, I mentioned earlier that they're on a 15-year straight-line depreciation. That doesn't even include the bonus depreciation that can be uh, had from the personal items in a mobile home park. But, um, yeah, the, the, the financing is preferable. Uh, I mentioned that you can refinance them twice in the first five years. Uh, the, the 15-year straight-line depreciation on everything but the land is preferable. Um, it honestly, it's probably the most tax advantaged of the asset classes that I've looked at. I, I can't think of anything other than oil and gas that has better tax advantages uh, than a mobile home park. Now, you're saying that operators, the people who are operating these mobile home parks are not all created equal. How do you find the good ones from the, the ones you don't want to get involved with? Well, that's a big part of what we do as a fund. In fact, we spend a long time vetting these operators. We're looking for operators who have an internal team who have worked together for years or even decades, people who have weathered one or two or even three recessions. One of the operators we work with now has been together as a team since the early 80s. And uh, a lot of them are getting up there in years, but they have incredible track record. Uh, well oiled machine. We we you asked how we find these or how we vet them. We went to their office. We spent time with them. We talked to many of their other clients. Talked to many of their investors. We actually flew and drove to various mobile home parks and other off uh, you know other assets that they operate because they actually operate self storage as well. And. Um, we really, really spent, we, we spent like nine, ten months between the time we met them on the phone and when we actually finally invested. So is this too difficult for people to do individually, to buy a mobile home park? It costs too much and it's too hard to figure out, and that's why it's better to do it in a fund? Well, I think for people who have the money 
and they are willing to take the risk, and they really have either they, themselves or someone else to operate it, I think it, it's certainly something that people could do if they wanted to dedicate their full time to it. Uh, most people don't want to do it full time, but for somebody who does, I think it's certainly something that is doable. Very good. Um, so th- let's talk a little bit about some of the tax benefits involved, not only in mobile home parks and self-storage, but commercial real estate in general. Uh, you've got what you call your top ten. L- let's just start with the first one that, and how you should maximize the tax benefits available. Okay, so one tax benefit would be the direct investment nature, and that is, again, people who get a K-1 are directly owning the real estate, which means they're getting all the depreciation and the tax write-offs themselves as if they were the sole owner of the real estate. And so directly investing as opposed to investing in a company, you have shares of a company that owns the real estate. That would be one uh, great strategy for investing in commercial real estate. And the next one is accelerated depreciation. Um, So, again, because the new tax Mm -hmm. law, it's accelerated even more. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So there's something called a cost segregation study, Jordan, and that allows people to segregate personal property and shorter depreciation life from longer. So let's say someone bought a a multifamily asset. It would be generally a a 27.5-year straight-line depreciation. But if you think about it, that apartment has roofs and parking lot stripes and paving and landscaping that might be able to be depreciated over 15 years, or appliances that can be depreciated over five years. Same with lighting and cabinets and electrical fixtures. They may be able to be depreciated over, say, five. So by doing a cost segregation study, they're able to, uh, it's, it's also called a component study. They can break it down into its components and perhaps 15, 20, 25% of that apartment complex can be written off in a shorter time. And by accelerating that, that means a lot of the depreciation is up front, tax savings are up front, and, of course, the time value of money uh, kicks in, and it really can dramatically increase the bottom line returns for investors. You're getting an annual yield of roughly, you said 8%, just say roughly. Of that, what portion would be tax-favored? So we're targeting an annual return of about 8%. Uh, so we would start, like, you know, since this is the first year of this particular fund, we'd be in the 5 or 6% range. We believe that we're going to be able to cover up or basically have a tax favor uh, about 8 or 9% average per year. I mentioned earlier that a mobile home park might be 11.6%, for example, and maybe a self-storage or multifamily might be a 7 or 8%, for example, and the mix of the two would be, I would believe, between 8 and 9%. The good news is if we, um, you know, if we have a lower uh, amount, a low return in the earlier years and a higher return in the later years, the losses can, as you understand, carry forward. Right. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Paul Moore. He's the president of Wellings Capital. And you can see it's, he has a fund out called the Wellings uh, Income Fund, number one, uh, putting in self-storage and manufactured housing. You can find out more at his website, 
wellingscapital.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. My guest this hour is Paul Moore, president of Wellings Capital, uh, a real estate investment-oriented uh, firm. You can find out more at his website, wellingscapital.com. Welcome back to the show, Paul. Hey, great to be here. So we're talking about the in, the tax benefits that savvy real estate investors and commercial real estate projects can get. We started about direct investment, then we talked about accelerated depreciation uh, and so-called cost segregation. Uh, the next one is how to classify deductible expenses. How how can you get tax benefits from that? Yeah, I mean, this is similar to cost segregation, and I mentioned it earlier. There are certain things that can be written off in the first year, like under the new tax, uh, under the new tax reform bill, there are Section 179 uh, assets that can be written off all in one year, like a roof, or like computers and printers and all types of personal items that can be uh, the uh, depreciation instead of being strung out over five, seven, fifteen, or longer, can be written off all in one year. And so this has been, like I said, expanded by the new tax law. It's a beautiful thing for commercial real estate investors. The next thing is return of capital. So some portion of the income that's being generated is considered tax-free. Return of capital is returning your capital tax-wise. Is that a big tax break? Yeah, I'm, it can be. So um, I guess what I would say to that is if we, we, we offer a preferred return to our investors, and that's a 9% preferred return, which means they get the first 9% of any distributed And that may be confusing if I'm willing well giving out an average of 8%. But again, it's once you dive into it, understand that basically there's other years where we have much higher returns especially when we sell an asset. So the investors get the first 9%. Above that, we can consider it a return of capital rather than taxable income. So if we ever get out the realm where depreciation is not covering the income, like we talked about a few minutes ago, we get into an area where we can return of capital. That's how our 
private plant memorandum reads. And so that is not taxable, as you understand, because it's not, it's just handing back their money to them and it's not taxable at all. Yeah. Also, you can refinance uh, at a certain point. Uh, what are the tax advantages of doing that? So this is very similar to return of capital, but uh, like I mentioned, if you can refinance the mobile home park and hand the investors the money back in, let's say, year five, well, you may say, well, that's not a return. Well, it sure does generate a return because by taking that money and reinvesting it, the investor starts a completely second separate you know, income stream while their first income stream is still producing. So from one seed, they've got two trees growing. It's very powerful. And at the end of 10 years, now they've got two uh, partially or even fully matured investments going while uh, they only invested one seed in the first place. So it's very, very powerful. In fact, one of the most powerful ways to increase and accelerate someone's wealth is the refinance tax-free. And just like if you refinance your home, Jordan, you don't have to pay tax on that. It's the same here. Refinancing doesn't generate a tax. Yes. Also, you can do a 1031 exchange. That's a so-called like-kind exchange where you exchange one property for a similar one. How does that help people save on taxes? Yeah, so sometimes when people are selling property, they might want to buy another one. So they sell one. Let's say they make a million-dollar profit on it. Well, they can roll the, uh, their original amount plus the, uh, the gain into another property, and now they can they basically kick the can down the road. They don't have to pay uh, capital gains tax. And then real estate investors were really nervous a couple of years ago because they thought Congress was going to take away the 1031 like kind exchange, but they didn't. Well, they did for artwork and vehicles, trucks and airplanes, but not for real estate. So we're very, very fortunate that we, uh, that we have that still in 1031 exchange. There's also a related a device called a 721 exchange, which we use to roll over in shares of funds as well, and it accomplishes something very similar. There's something called the passive loss limitations, but this allows you to avoid that. Explain how that works. Qualified. I, I have an oil surgeon who is investing with us, and he said, you know, I really want to sell off half my practice to a partner, go down to a 1,000 hours or so a year, in my practice and jump my real estate investing up to a thousand hours a year. Well, by doing that, he'll be able to qualify uh, as a qualified real estate professional, which means he can avoid limitations on passive losses. He'll be able to carry forward losses against his actual regular income, which you asked about earlier in the show, and that's a way of doing that. And then also you can put these, uh, like this fund and, these self-storage facilities into various kinds of IRAs. Uh, how does that help on taxes? So by investing through a self-directed Roth or a regular SEP IRA or a self-directed 401k, investors will basically not have the tax consequences. It's different for investors and what's a Roth or IRA. But there are massive tax savings. Probably 25% of our investors take advantage 
investing through. Right? If you have a four-year job or another type pension plan, you transfer that over, roll over to a self-directed IRA, Roth IRA, or 401k, direct your instance yourself. Many do that, but boy, the people who do are very often very glad that they did. And then the final one is estate taxes. If you own uh, either this fund or self-storage facilities and die, what are the tax implications of that for passing it on to your gener- your beneficiaries? Yeah, well, some people, you know, you can kick the can down the road to a 721 or more likely a 1031 exchange. And many people would think, well, I want to, you know, cash all this out and pay the capital gains before I leave it to my kids or heirs. But they really should reconsider that because, you know, you can reset the basis at the time of your death, which means let's say you've got $10 million in assets. I shouldn't really use numbers because it could be different for every person. But let's say you've got $5 million in assets and $4 million of that is profit or gain over many years. Well, if you sell it, you'll have to pay the capital gains on that $4 million gain. But if you leave it to your heirs as an asset, they can often, I would say usually, be able to reset the basis to the value at the time of death. And that means there would be a, you know, like I said, $5 million value. It would be reset to $5 million. If they sold it the next month for $5 million, there would be zero gain. That capital gains tax would never be paid. Very good. Well, lots of interesting tax breaks for this. Um, my guest this hour has been Paul Moore. He's the president of Wellings Capital. Uh, he is offering this Wellings Income Fund One, uh, putting into uh, action some of the things we talked about, the self-storage uh, facilities and the mobile home parks as a way of giving you a uh, yield with all these different tax breaks. Uh, people can find out more at their website, wellingscapital.com. Thanks so much for being on The Money Answer Show, Paul. Thank you, Jordan. It was an honor. And we'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed